just hitting problem after problem. I'm not getting any kind of solutions. How, how can I fit my hope in Jesus Christ into this conversation? And uh, I don't think I did very well because I tried a couple of times and he battered me away quite quickly. He was happy complaining. But, but it struck me with something. Nkululeko's worldview has gone through a filter of hopelessness and it just leaves him feeling very fragile. And it leaves him feeling like anything and everything seems like it could break at any moment right now. And I think that that's a worldview not just for one man. I feel like at the beginning of 2023, the frustration levels in every South African is rising to the point of hopelessness. As elders, when we were praying and planning into this year, uh, we know our vision does not change, but it's a good opportunity to seek the face of God and His heart and what He wants to speak to us in terms of how this vision can become a reality in our lives and in our church. There was something that really came through quite strongly. If you remember last year, there were three key words that we felt God speaking into, and it's not really the same this year. There was just a sense in the room, lots of uh, contributions from the whole team, Bible verses, encouragements, and, and some prophetic words too. And I think God is calling us to faithfully continue walking with Him through the hardships and the challenges and the roadblocks that we face. I think God is calling us to faithfully endure this year. And so let me share a, a leadership philosophy with you in the next 10 minutes or so that is a secular th uh, philosophy, yet mirrors some biblical principles in the common grace. And then after I've shared that, I'm going to get us to get up, get into groups, and pray faith into each other for the year ahead in our personal lives, in the life of our church, in our communities and cities, praying faith. Anti-fragile comes from a philosopher, anti-fragile leaders. Now, the phrase anti-fragile comes from a philosopher, Nassim Taleb, and he wrote a book, Anti-Fragility. Let me define it as he does in his book for you. Anti-fragility. Some things benefit from shocks. They thrive and grow when exposed to volatility, randomness, disorder, and stresses. And they love adventure, risk, and uncertainty. Yet in the English language, there's no word for the exact opposite of fragility. Let us call it anti-fragile. Anti-fragility is beyond just resistance or robustness. When the, when the fragile breaks and the resilient resists but stays the same, the anti-fragile gets stronger. He gave us some examples in his book. He says that this property has been behind everything that changes with time. Evolution, culture, ideas, revolutions, political systems, technological innovation, cultural and economic success, corporate survival, good recipes, the rise of cities, cultures, legal systems, equatorial forests, bacterial resistance, even our own existence as species are demonstrations of anti-fragility. And then finally, in his book, he begins to relate it to leadership, which is where we are drawing from today. Anti-fragility has the ability of allowing us to deal with the unknown, to do things without fully understanding them, and to do them well. Rather than just promoting an idea that we shouldn't construct our lives based on randomness or misfortune, anti-fragility is the means in which we can maneuver through disorder. As the old axiom goes, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. 
So friends, my first question to you this year is, are you kicking off this year feeling fragile, feeling resilient, or feeling anti-fragile? Are you walking into this year with faith? Are you walking into this year with fear? Perhaps a better way to ask this question actually is, where is your vulnerability to fragility? Because I highly doubt none of us have complete, perfect, 100% faith in every single area of our own lives and our communities and our city and even maybe our church as well. So where are you vulnerable to being fragile? Is it the economic crisis? Is it the energy crisis? Is it the lack of commitment that is just the new worldview morphing its way through every area of society? Where do you feel like you are vulnerable to giving in to fear, which is therefore stopping you from moving forward in faith? Anti-fragility as a theory is not perfect. In fact, I think if you dig deep enough in, you'll see some base-level contradictions there. But I think it lends biblical principles about leadership that we find in the Bible. Friends, think about the Hebrews 11 heroes of the faith. Think about those mighty men and women of God that are recounted in Scripture for every generation of believers to hear and think about their lives. Think about what got them to places of faith. Whether it's Noah's flood or Moses' sea or Abraham's test or Joseph's prison cell or Joshua's city walls or David's giant, what we find is that leaders are those whose faith is forged in furnaces of adversity. It is not the ability to run away or bypass or escape adversity that produces faith in our hearts. It's the ability to faithfully stand assured in who and what you are believing in. And so friends, there's actually something uh, different, something weird uh, about being a child of God that changes the role of suffering in your life and my life. It takes suffering away from being a stumbling block to our faith, and it actually makes it the, the, the wonderful cultivator of our faith. It makes it the refining purifier of our faith. Let me give you some verses to help you see this from Scripture. James 1, uh, verses 2 and 3. Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Do you see that James acknowledges the presence of various trials in our lives? And it feels like that, doesn't it? As a South African in this country, it would feel like that. As a believer in our own lives, with our sins and temptations knocking on the door, with an enemy who's prowling around, it can feel like, hey, there are various trials that are here. Yet James acknowledges the trial without allowing the trial to dwarf or expand its role in our lives. There are various trials but it produces something good inside of us. It produces perfection, completeness, lacking in absolutely nothing. Peter would also agree with James. In 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, we read, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ, right? Again, Peter, like James, acknowledges there are various trials. 
And then he adds to that, there are various trials, and it grieves us. It, it grieves us. We, we acknowledge the pain. We acknowledge the hurt. We acknowledge the disappointments. We acknowledge that this feels like a form of grief, a form of loss in our personal lives or in our church when something goes wrong or in our country when there's another bad news cycle and we're trying to find any form of hope. It, there is various trials that can produce grief and yet the most interesting word in here for me is if necessary. If necessary. Someone deems it necessary that we go through these trials, right? Someone has said that it is necessary for you in your journey in faith to go through things that are going to cultivate and grow more faith and help you purify and refine and sanctify your faith, right? Who is that person? You know it's Yahweh himself. You know it's the Lord himself. If necessary, for a little while, knowing that these things will pass, that this is something actually that is going to be turned and twisted for your good. We just read the story of Joseph this last week. And then finally, Romans. Romans 5, verses 3 and 4. We rejoice in our sufferings. Let's say that again. Let's all say it. We rejoice in our sufferings. Doesn't that feel a little bit wrong to say? It's, it's kind of like you're speaking to your soul. I'm telling myself, right, what I don't want to do. We rejoice in our sufferings because suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And then in verse 5, it will go on to say, and this hope will not put us to shame because the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Friends, there is a purpose for the difficulties that we are currently facing in our lives, in our church, and in our country. That the very thing that Nkululeko was struggling with, a sense of hopelessness, he thought suffering was robbing us of hope not realizing that the biblical worldview is that suffering is the thing that actually produces our hope. In a, in a very weird, counterintuitive way, our suffering can be gifts, opportunities for us to grow and nurture what we could never grow or nurture left to ourselves. Suffering, struggles, and strife will either rob or produce faith and hope in our hearts as leaders this year. And according to Scripture, the suffering is not the end, the, the plan gone bad. Suffering is the beginning of your journey to hope. Leaders are forged in furnaces of adversity. And challenges become the classroom of our character. And so, friends, if I take anti-fragility as a concept and I apply it to us, I'm kind of standing here left wondering what would it look like for a church leadership team to be anti-fragile? What would it look like for us in our congregational teams, as elders in our community groups, as leaders who pull together for the glory of the Lord? What would it look like for us to not get knocked off course or downbeat or disheartened or disappointed by the various difficulties that we are facing, but rather actually to see the difficulties and not see a brick wall, but see like an escalator taking us closer and closer to our Heavenly Father? I'm left wondering, what would it look like if you and I as a team 
team, we begin to grow in expectancy when we face suffering, to, to actually lick our lips with excitement, like, what is God going to do? We had this at our camp. At our, at our camp, it was like load shedding came here, changed the schedule, and then thunderstorm came over here, and then electrical fault came over here, and then we couldn't find some plans over there. And then in one leaders meeting, I just stopped us and said, stop. I'm getting so excited for this evening's meeting. If our enemy is trying so hard to knock us off course, I can't wait to get into that meeting and see what God is going to do. Because something powerful is there. The, the, the adversity was producing expectancy in my heart. Uh, projectors get happen if we are anti-fragile enough to uh, be able to embrace that when the projectors get hit by lightning, we're like, game on. What has God got in store for us? What would it look like if when we're leading on a Sunday or leading in community group and we see low attendance? And I know what that's like, guys. We're a small congregation. Don't think that I don't know every single person, every single week who's not in our room. I can see them. You can't really hide. There's only so many chairs that are there. I know that sinking disappointment when Guy has not come to community group and they said they would. I know what that's like, but what happens if when that happens, you don't give in to disappointment, but you rather come on your knees and pray and say, God, I know there's more because you're anti-fragile. You're not going to break down or fall apart. You're going to pick up your socks and believe that God himself is strong where you are weak. What would happen if in our teams uh, we have a leadership moment and you're discipling someone and he looks really promising and he's growing and growing and growing and then sin just creeps through the door and sideswipes them and the response is unrepentance in your heart and you're like, no! What would happen if that actually grew your faith for that person? Faith is what we cannot see and assurance of the things we're hoping for. What would happen, guys, if we become anti-fragile people? Because James and Peter tell us that the this, this struggles we face are, is our growth. They're not something to be bypassed. It's something that we should actually expect, anticipate, and believe through, believe in. And so, friends, do we believe that God is using our current trials do we believe that God is not sideswiped by what's going on? This wasn't a curveball. It's not looking at his blind spot. He knows exactly what is going on. Do you believe that he's using those things? If you just read Joseph this week, you can't say no. You can't say no. A pit of death, a prison cell, right? You can't say no to this stuff. God has a track record of being faithful in the most unlikely of circumstances. And so, friends, do you believe that God is using the difficulties that we will face this year? Do you believe that there is nothing that can stop our Heavenly Father? Do you believe that there will be no weapon formed against those of us who have the Lord fighting our battles on our behalf? Do we have an anti-fragility mentality that is faith-filled to embrace the difficulties? Friends, anti-fragility is not overestimating our own abilities. That's not what it is. It's just having faith in our Father's gracious, mentally love to guide us through every situation. 
We're not overestimating ourselves. We're just not downplaying his abilities. We're believing that his demonstrations of sufficient grace in our weakness is sufficient. And so, friends, anti-fragile leaders are not pessimistic, complaining realists. They're actually the biggest, wildest, craziest dreamers because there's nothing that can stop them. And so in the deepest of valleys, they're looking to the highest of mountain peaks. And we are called to be dreamers. We are called to be faith-filled men and women who are going to charge at giants, who are going to charge at Red Seas, who are going to charge into the middle of battlefield, who says, Jesus is my captain. He's leading my charge. There's no way that this could go wrong, even in the most unlikeliest of circumstances. Friends, uh, Matthew 16, Jesus says that he is building his church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And as we read in Romans 5, that there is, a, there is the Holy Spirit pouring love into our hearts to produce hope and character in us. In 2 Timothy 1, we read that the God has given us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love. And so anti-fragile leaders need to be spirit-filled leaders. And the more filled with the Holy Spirit you and I are, the more faith-filled we will become, that gift of faith in 1 Corinthians 12. And the more faith-filled we become, the more anti-fragile we will be. And I promise you, the further we will be able to go. The further we will be able to go. So you and I, right now, what we need to do is we need faith. We need that gift from the Holy Spirit. Uh, anti-fragile. Nassim Taleb says that the opposite of fragile is anti-fragile. Well, maybe it's faith. Maybe it's confident about things we're not yet seeing, but assured of the things that we're hoping for. Let's pray for faith in each other right now. What we're going to do is break up into groups of three or four. Please don't go bigger than three or four. Get with people that perhaps you haven't prayed with before, different congregations, different teams. And there's just an extended time to pray for faith in the room. Okay, let's get up. Let's move around. Let's get our hands on people. Let's believe that the God of the Bible is making us anti-fragile as he gives the gift of faith. Amen. message uh, from Tom about talking about how can we live in this in this world that is so uh, shaking and uh, full of a lot of pressure and um, you know and hard hard things that we're going through uh, we thought it will be so important that we start our second session about talking about the practical things because we know how can you live um, being a, like a Christian or a leader that is anti-fragile, that is strong and not being shaken by uh, situation and circumstances that are around you. But I want to encourage you that this morning you cannot do this alone. You need uh, brothers and sisters. You need friends. You need people around you. Um, so in, in, at Recruit Church, as you know, uh, we meet on Sunday as a church and in a bigger circle. We've got a community group, but we also have an intimate space, which is called Trios. So I've got these amazing guys here who's going to be able to help us. Because some of us, uh, when we're helping people in our congregations, they're going to ask us these questions. We don't even know how to help them. 
And uh, first question I just want to, I'm going to ask them three questions. Then after that, we're going to um, give you, we've got uh, a, a document that is called TRIO uh, 2.0 that we've, uh, Garrett has helped us to summarize it and make it uh, simple for all of us that we can be able to go through and also help other people. But these guys, they won the medal in terms of doing TRIOs. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you're gonna tell us, guys, how you end up in Trio. Maybe did your leader push you and organize something? How you end up find yourself in a Trio? Uh, yeah. um, I think it was a bit easy for me because I live next door to my Trio, so <laughs> <laughs> it's quite easy to plan meetings and stuff like that. But um, so I'm in a Trio with Luke and Sam and our other friend, Jareth, and Nathan. So it's a bit more for Trio, but it works. It still works, don't worry. Um, so yeah, I'm in a Trio with Sam and Luke. Um, and we started meeting, I think it was your, it was early in the morning, we started meeting at like five o'clock. And uh, But yeah, it was really easy to organize meetings. And we knew each other, obviously, because we were in youth leadership together. And I'm at the Bowley house like every other day. So I do see them quite often as well. Um, but we, after being in church for a long time, like we didn't really think about the idea of trios and and then we kind of somehow stumbled onto it and we all kind of were like, yeah, maybe maybe we should be in a trio. And and at first we didn't really know what we were doing, but slowly, like the more we did it, the more the more like substantial it became and um, and the more we grew from it. Yeah. So the question was how we ended up in trios. Um, so. My trio is also not a trio. <laughs> We're actually the Fabulous Five. <laughs> That's what we call ourselves. Um, so we probably should sort that out sometime. But <laughs> it started with a trio. Um, <laughs> so the way it started was we were in a community group together. And we kind of thought, well, let's start a trio. So we did. And then um, we had another friend that wasn't in a trio, so we drew her in, and then there was another friend who wasn't in a trio, and we drew her in, and then we thought we better stop there, and maybe at some point multiply it. <laughs> I think you were asking, how did they find me? Yellow, ye yellow pages, eh? Found me in the yellow pages. No, um, yeah, I'd been part of a few trios, and I thought I was jinxing it, because every time I had a trio, the people left the church, and after about like, after about like three trios, they're either leaving the church or they're leaving the country. So then Gareth invited me. I said, you know what you're doing? So yeah, I'm part of a trio with uh, some of the, and we're still going. We, we've lost a few along the way, but yeah, it's a trio plus plus. There's about five of us or so. Um, my trio, well, where I was doing Get Connected when I came to the church in 2019. And in that group, the Get Connected group, there was a beauty take no, 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 And, um, but Uno, Uno, Uno was in my trio, and seen him so. So the three of us were supposed to meet. So the very first meeting, Cindy shows up with Cindy K. So I'm like, Ox, okay, so <laughs> you're in our trio now. 
no, no, no shows up with the beauty. So I'm like, okay, so there's five of us now. <laughs> so we, we met like that, we became friends, but they've, one moved out of the province and another has left the church. And then there were three of us. And then Tembi joined the church and then we're like, you could vibe with us. So now we're like a trio plus. Asking you guys very simple questions. The second question, only got three questions. Okay, uh, the second question, the very trick question. Um, how often you meet and when you meet, what do you do? But don't give out secrets. Eh? So, <laughs> what, uh, when, how often you meet and what do you do in those gatherings? Um, yeah, like I said, we used to meet in the mornings. Uh, yeah, it was every, it was once a week. We tried to make it once a week. It wasn't a specific like okay it's Monday. It was if we make it once a week that's cool. But it it was better to make it a bit more regular for schedules. It's easier to plan. So now we meet uh, Monday evenings, uh, six thirty till whenever we want to go home basically. And, <laughs> yeah, it goes on. Um, we had a spontaneous one last night. All of a sudden during load shedding, it was brilliant. But so some of the stuff we do, we started off. Um, when we first started, we weren't sure what to do, so we got books from the library and we were reading, and every week we were, hey, this is what I learned, what did you learn, and discuss that. And that was also really helpful. And then we started doing, which we're, what we're still doing now is the Bible reading plan. Um, so every day we contribute on our small WhatsApp group that we have with each other, and then at the week we, at our meeting, we discuss. But one thing that's been really fruitful is something we call the accountability game. Um, and and. Uh, like one, it's I don't know how to describe it, but it's basically like tell me something that you should be telling me, but you're scared to tell me. Like the deepest, darkest secrets of your life, like come spit it out. Stuff that you know you need to be fixed, but you're too scared to say it to anyone else. Um, and it gets really intense and really deep, but you find that once it just takes one person to open up, and then you're like, okay, this actually is a safe space. And then the rest of us, we just like, hey, this is it, and this is it, and I've been struggling with this, and this, and this, and this, and like. It, the the amount at which we've grown since we started doing that is is like up like that. So there, yeah, accountability game, Bible reading plan. That's brilliant. Can't go wrong. Um, so my group, we all like running. So we all do park run on a Saturday morning. So we meet every alternate Saturday at half past six in the morning, and we meet at Caltex and we go and have a coffee and sit kind of in the corner, so we're away from everybody else. Um, and then we go down and do park run. And then the other Saturday we can sleep in. <laughs> um, and what we normally do is kind of just talking and sharing with each other what's going on in our lives and things maybe they're finding hard or struggling with. Um, sometimes when I'm running out the door, I say to Gareth, give me a question. What can I ask them that will get us going? And then he gives me a question and then <laughs> that we use that. Um, yeah, so that's what we do. Yeah, I think uh, for our group, our clan, it's uh, we're all similar age, so we like uh, we get up early in the morning anyway. We have to wake up, so five quarter past five, we'll meet. We always start off with a coffee, and believe it or not, the other day we started off with a braai. <laughs> quarter past five in the morning, a braai. You know, my stomach felt the whole day after having a braai at five in the morning. I'm not used to that. 
But anyway, we, we get together, we have a coffee, and uh, you know, sometimes we're having a chat while we're having coffee, and that conversation will just go on. But a lot of the time, we'll do the Bible reading plan and really get into depth and how that affects us and what Jesus is saying to us through that. And then also the accountability questions. Uh, I enjoy that. We each get to ask somebody in our group one of those accountability questions. And it's amazing sort of what comes out of that and, um, you know, how we are able to then talk into those sort of things together as a group. Because I do feel it's good to be in a group where you can be accountable to each other and you've got that friend or you've got that group of friends, you know that if I'm in trouble with something or I need to talk about something, they're going to have my back and uh, I can share with them and, and it's a safe space. So my community group, we used to meet after church on Sundays, uh, but over time that ended up not working because um, someone had community groups or I needed to do something or my mom was here. So we would just schedule like what day works for everyone. Like when we see each other on Sunday, okay, we'll meet on this day. Then that's the day we meet. But sometimes even that doesn't happen and it ends up being a video call or, and we have a WhatsApp group. So, and stuff we talk about, it is accountability. We do ask each other hard questions. Um, yeah, sometimes it's not nice, but like, <laughs> how else will you grow? And there's that, and then there's also, but we also for, it's not just for the uncomfortable stuff, it's for encouragement as well. So like, if you need prayer with something, or you need us to pray with you because you trust in God for something, or you need wisdom with something, so that's what we, we like, a sister support group, yeah. So great, um, I think we, because of time, we're not gonna do the rest of the guys with the last question, but I forgot to remind you to bring your baseball bat. Because if you're not in trio, what are you doing? And uh, <laughs> so, so uh, my friend here was going to help me to just hold the line as we were coming to honor people. Then you get one by one. But I want to encourage you, if you're not in trio, please uh, get one. It's easy and uh, it's going to be same gender. Okay, remember that. Same gender. But you start with two. Even two people is still trio. Three, four, five, you can get up to five is the limit. Okay. After that, that means you're planting your own church. So we, if you want guidelines, and uh, so Gareth helped us to put together the Trio 2.0, we're going to have them available in that table at the back there so you can come and help yourself. So that it will, those are just guidelines, but when you meet, you are flexible to, lead, uh, to obey the Holy Spirit and do what God is leading you to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, my friend here was going to help me to just hold the line as we were coming to honor people, then we get one by one. But I want to encourage you, if you're not in trio, please uh, get one. It's easy, and uh, it's going to be same gender. Okay, remember that. Same gender, but you start with two, even two people is still trio. Three, four, five, you can get up to five is the limit. Okay. After that, that means you're planting your own church. So we, if you want guidelines, and uh, so Garrett helped us to put together the Trio 2.0, we're going to have them available in that table at the back there so you can come and help yourself. So that it will, those are just guidelines, but when you meet, you are flexible to, lead, uh, to obey the Holy Spirit and do what God is leading you to do. Yeah. So you can be in more than one Trio. Like, I think I've been, I'm in like three. <laughs> yes. Um, so 
this is got a great encouragement that we have guys who have busy lives. All these guys here, they all they have full-time jobs. They're working. They're volunteering in their church, but they're still in trio. So you can't have that as an excuse that I'm busy. I'm working. I'm doing this and this. Some of them they have kids as well, running up and down, dropping a school and fetch. Not you. Not you. Yet. So please, uh, we want to encourage you to do that. Thank you guys uh, for encouraging us. Amen. Thank you. said hi to you, Gareth. Uh, I would say that um, a number, at least three of those people, four of those people are either, le either leading community groups, they're in community groups and leading community groups and being in trios, or they're in youth and in trios. And so those two don't fight each other. Uh, what a community group does and what a trio can do are different because they, a trio is a more intimate space. And so we're not having the two fighting each other. It's rather that they work together. Can I ask that, although we're putting something in your hands, that you don't read it uh, ever? <laughs> read it later, uh, because I love your full attention um, on, in, in this moment. And uh, I want to speak briefly. You can hold me accountable. The time is uh, 10.48, and by... 11.05, I must be finished. And then, uh, and then I'm going to give you guys the chance to, to really engage. And I want to speak about being uh, a group of people, a group of leaders who are what I'm saying, which is a bit of a clumsy phrase, but presence-preoccupied leaders. Uh, a group of leaders who are preoccupied about being aware. I share with you would go deep into a heart of God. And so I just want to pray that the things I share with you would go deep into our hearts and that there would be fruit for years to come as a result. Uh, felt uh, so encouraged by Tom's uh, message. We have recorded that. We'll record this as well. And, uh, and maybe there's people in your team or other people who aren't here. We'd love to get that to people. So let's just pray. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we acknowledge that you're here. We thank you that we don't even have to invite you because you are here, because you promised to be here, because you're the omnipresent God. But right now we want to say, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you manifest your presence, the presence of the Father and the Son amongst us. I pray that you'd open our spiritual ears and hearts and that, Lord, you'd drop some seeds that will bear fruit forever. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I want to ask you a question, and the question is, how consciously aware are you of God's presence? How consciously aware? We, we know God's with us. That's information. But how consciously aware, how, how tangibly aware are you of God's presence? If I asked you to rate yourself 24-7, uh, uh, zero to ten, how would you rate yourself if zero was, actually, I'm not really, I know God exists, but I don't feel God's presence, or, or, or ten, uh, you, you're kind of a bit like a David. Um, how consciously aware are you as a Christ follower, because that's first step, but as a leader, how consciously aware are you of God's presence? Not on Sundays, but throughout life and when you are leading. Sorry, my, 
notes just disappeared. There they are. They're back. You might say, well, I don't know what you mean by that, Gareth. I'm actually not certain what you mean. Well, I'd say this. It's one thing to know about God. Even the demons know about God. It's another thing to believe that God exists and to believe He's with you. But it's another whole thing entirely to feel God is with me now. Doesn't matter where you are, doesn't matter whether you're working, doesn't matter whether you're traveling somewhere, doesn't matter whether you're with someone and you really are engaging with someone. How tangibly aware are you that that you actually can feel that God is with you and that you are alert to God and you're aware of God? And, And aware and alert are slightly different because aware is I know God's with me, and alert is like I'm I'm aware that God's with me and he might tell me to do something and am I gonna respond? So it's even on a higher level. Are you alert and aware of God's tangible warm love? Have you had those moments where you feel like you just, it's almost like, I don't know how to describe the feeling, but it's like you get overwhelmed by like a heat where you just feel wrapped in love and you just know I am loved. Or maybe aware of God's directing help. You really needed to to make a decision or you... And, and you know God's directed you. And it wasn't you. And, and everyone thinks, yo, you were really clever. And you know it wasn't. You know it was totally God. How tangibly aware are you of God's heart for a person? You, you're with someone or you're in some setting and there's this other person. There, there might be a person who's in real need. There might just be another person. But, but you suddenly feel your heart is almost broken for them. Your heart just just jumps towards them, and you realize that's not you, but it's actually the, it's God's heart for this person. It, 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 you don't even know them, maybe, but suddenly in a moment, it's like God's heart got downloaded into your heart for this person, or you suddenly become aware of God's will in a decision. You just know what God wants in that moment, or where you feel and you hear the voice of God like a well-known whisper, like you didn't even need to, it didn't need a tag on it saying, oh, this is the voice of God. You, you just know God's speaking to you in that moment, in the midst of everyday life. Sometimes the, the most, I was telling a, a, a church leader on Tuesday, he, he had been seeking God, he'd been on sabbatical, and he said, I came back and I didn't feel like God really said anything significant, and I told him a story about how one day I really needed to know God speaking into a situation. We were in Betty's Bay, and I decided, I said to Nadine, I'm climbing up the mountain to go hear God, you know, Moses. I climbed up the mountain, and I came down the mountain, and God had said nothing. And then later on, sorry for the information, but I was sitting on the loo, and I felt God just speak to me. And I'm like, now? Like, really? (laughs) Huh? Do you know God's just whisper? I didn't expect it now. Like, I'm not seeking you now. Or God's sudden strengthening. You, I loved what Tom shared, the how, how trials in a worldly perspective erode hope, but trials are the way hope are built in the kingdom. Hallelujah. And where suddenly you just feel, just, I just feel God's strengthening coming. Or you just feel refreshed. You feel your soul refreshed. I'm not talking about meetings. I am talking about meetings, but I'm talking about life. 
or where you feel that I'm suddenly in awe of God. I'll, I've had some moments, I'll never call it a trio, but where we were praying and suddenly everyone just shut up. And it felt like we were heavy, like God's presence. No one did anything, no one said anything, but afterwards all of us said the glory of God was in the room. And in that moment, you suddenly appreciate God, you're in awe of God, you worship God, you delight in God. How many of you know there's a moment where you, you're in creation and you suddenly, you see something, or you see someone doing something, and, and you don't just think they're amazing, you just think God's amazing, and suddenly you, you're in God's presence. Do you know what I'm talking about? So we're not just talking about knowing that God is present. We're talking about experiencing the presence of God. And so I want to ask you, how consciously aware of you of God's presence 24-7? Do you ever find yourself going through your day or even preparing for something that you're about to lead? Or even you, you're about to serve as a leader. Maybe even you're one of the elders or a worship leader. And actually, if you're honest, you're doing it on your own. Because you can do it. You've learned the stuff. And you actually you've been unaware of God. You've got your thoughts, but are you aware of God? Are you doing it in your own strength? The way that you normally know that you're not consciously aware of God's presence is if you're about to lead a community group and you haven't even prayed. Or you're about to lead a worship set. And actually if you looked at your week, Or you came to church, and you didn't pray about coming to church. You still got toast in your teeth. And you wonder why. You know, why is there not more of God's presence? Can there be less of God's presence? Or can you just not be aware of it? Because you haven't primed yourself. You haven't gotten yourself spiritually aware. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? I'm not putting on heavies on you because I know what it's like to lead a community group. I know what it's like to not have enough time. I know what it's like to prepare this message this morning for you. I know what it's like, but the issue is the issue of the heart as to whether I know I need you. I love that first song we sang. Oh, I need you. Oh, I need you. Is that not the anthem of a leader? I need you, Jesus. I don't have this, but I need you, and you are enough. Or maybe, as a leader, you responded to something or someone and you, you responded in the flesh, and then you realize, I didn't check in with God about that at all. And I've been guilty of that. Don't agree with that. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. Francine, I'm joking. Friends, sadly, I know that I have done these things on my own steam at times, where I've gotten too busy where there's been too many tasks, where there's been time pressure, or there's been this idiotic idea that I can actually do it. What a crazy idea. Where there's been prayerlessness or a fixation on what I can see rather than what is unseen. As if what is seen is more real than what is unseen. But I can honestly say that I've been on a journey for a couple of years and it's been this journey of practicing the presence of God. 
practicing being consciously aware and alert to God. And I'm encouraged that what I've seen in my own life and what I know is true in our lives, that we're not alone. You see, the Bible is full of people who suddenly become aware that God was there. It's in his life where we realize Jacob is like you and I. And so there's one day in Jacob's life where he is running away from his brother who is tricked twice. Okay, he's been a naughty guy. And his brother's decided, I'm going to kill him next time I see him. And so Jake, uh, you know, Jacob's thinking, I think I'm going to go somewhere else and find a wife. And his dad says, yeah, you go, you go find a wife in Haran. And he's on his way to Haran, and he falls asleep along the way, and he has an encounter with God that he, you know, he wasn't going to church. He wasn't, you know, 21 days praying and fasting. He was just sleeping. And he's sleeping, and God shows up. And when he wakes up, this is what he says in Genesis 28. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. And that's what I love. God was there all along. God, never, God can't reduce his presence. He is omnipresent. And Jacob might have even known that he probably didn't, he hasn't gone to theology course just yet. These guys are working out who God is, but we know God's everywhere. Jacob suddenly says, you here, and I didn't even realize that's what he's saying. And he was afraid. And he said, how awesome is this place? We need to build something here. And he called it Bethel. He says, this is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And there was this instance in Jacob's life where in that moment in Genesis 28, he went from being unaware to suddenly being acutely aware that God was tangibly, say tangibly, Tangibly is something you can touch, something you can taste, something you can see. It's, it's not just an idea. It's, no, 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 God's here. And he suddenly went from being unaware to being aware, but God hadn't arrived. He'd been there all along. All that changed was Jacob's awareness of God. And so in that instant, his perspective of that place was changed, and in that moment, he was transformed. And so he responds to God in that moment, and he actually calls the place Bethel. He realizes Yahweh is here. I'm going to call this place House of God, Bethel. He worships God, and he makes a promise to God for his life. This is maybe his conversion moment, actually. Brothers and sisters, every time we consciously experience God and we encounter his presence, things happen. Listen to some of the things that will happen if we become more aware of God. You will have new faith. And strength, because suddenly you know God's with me. And as someone once famously said, God plus me equals a majority. If God's with you in any situation, you've got the majority, okay? And so God is with you. Faith rises. When you become consciously aware of God's presence, you feel the love of God. Where suddenly you just get washed over with the warmth of God. When, when we are consciously aware of His presence, we begin to worship God. We begin to hear God's voice guiding us, encouraging us. When we are aware of God's presence, we are kept from sin. When you're aware of the Holy One of heaven right next to you, and then you see that girl, you think, I'm not now. Because God's right here, and He's always here. You know, this happened to me just the other day. I was... Uh, being aware of God's presence has a preservative effect. It has a holiness effect in us. And I, I was uh, 
I, I got into my car. I'd found the parking by myself at Pick and Pay. I've got eyes. There's a parking. And then a guy showed me. There's a parking. Okay, thanks. Found the parking. Went, did my shopping, carried all my stuff. I, I didn't need help to unpack the, the trolley. Like, I've got it. I'm, like, I've got two hands. Like, thanks so much, bud. I put the stuff in the trolley. Then I started reversing, and my, my, my reversing thing went, dee, 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 and I thought I'm, I'm hitting a car, but then the guy was standing right by my car. I'm like, okay, I know how to reverse. Okay. And then I drove off, feeling irritated. And then the Holy Spirit went, cooey, I'm here. Guess what the next thing was? You are not like me. Did you see that guy? Do you know his story? Do you know that feeling? Huh? How amazing it would have been if I would walked out of pick and pay, aware of God's presence, and I saw this guy. Hey, Brie, how are you? How can I pray for you? Do you want some of my shopping? Do, do, do you know what I'm saying? If, you, if I was so aware of the Holy One, I might have treated that guy differently. In fact, not might. I didn't even treat him badly, but, but suddenly when I was aware of God's presence, my, my, my actions were reevaluated. And if I'd been aware of God's presence earlier, I would have dealt, dealt with that differently. I just saw the time. I'm asking for two, three more minutes. Friends, when we encounter God, we will be more loving, we'll be more kind, we'll be more patient, we'll be more caring. So can you see how being consciously aware of God's presence is so good for us? We should be hearing rapturous applause. Can you see how being consciously aware of God is so good for us? brothers and sisters. Now, wait a minute. I hear you say, isn't God always with me? Gareth, don't you always quote Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6? I will never leave you nor forsake you, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. I'm always quoting that. Yes, God is always with us, but what we need to do is differentiate between God's presence. He is always there, and his tangible presence that I'm aware of. And I want to grow in being aware of God's presence all the time. You see, God is always with us, but we're not always spiritually aware or alert. And so I, I believe God wants us as leaders in Rec Road to become more spiritually aware of his presence continually. So I want to just go back to Jacob quickly because he says something, and I think there's a, a spiritual idea there. He speaks about how this is the gate of heaven, this place. And so I, we, I want to use the word door because in that moment, as Jacob was aware of God's presence, in that moment, it was like the differentiation between earth and heaven was dissolved and heaven was on earth and God was with him. In, in that moment. And I actually believe that there are things in our days that are like doors, they are like gates between heaven and earth. They're like portals where, where in a moment you are aware of God's presence and suddenly God's presence and, and you, it's just all together. And these can be small things. Sometimes it's just the walk. I have a beautiful uh, short ride to work and then I have this amazing property to arrive on. And sometimes in the morning, you're just struck by the sun hitting the, the burnt orange aloe flowers and, and bees on them, or there's, there's all the colors of green that you can see, or you hear the, you hear the, the birds singing, and, and I've decided to stop 
And so if you see me standing in the car park sometimes, it's because I, I've decided to stop and just appreciate the moment and to just say, thank you, Father. Or, or, or maybe God will say something to me and, and I'll see something and the next minute God's speaking to you. And I want to say that there's moments in our days where, where there's, it's like a gate into the presence of God. It's like a doorway where God just wants to be consciously aware to you. Sometimes I just become aware of my breathing and, and how every breath is given by God. And then I'll just take a big one, just take a big breath. Just, God, you gave me that breath. I can't be alive without you. Now suddenly you're worshiping him. And, and sometimes it's a line in a biblical song. And most often it's reading the Bible and feeling like it's awakening my soul even as I read these words on the page. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage us to look for, for moments like this in our days that will help us to become more consciously aware of God's presence. Amen? John Mark Comer says this. He calls it practicing the presence of God. And he calls it mastering the art of always being at two places at once. You wherever you are, can you say you might be cutting someone up? You, you there, but you're also with God. You might be a teacher, and there are crazy grade ones, and I'm with God. I, I'm in a, I'm, I feel like I'm alone, but I'm actually with God. Practice the presence. Uh, practice the habit of being in two places at once, wherever I am, plus God's with me in that place. My last point is holy dissatisfaction. I want to call us to be like Moses. Moses was so desperate about having God's tangible presence with him and with God's people that he famously prayed, this is my paraphrase, he prayed in 33, Exodus 33, 15, he prayed, God, if you're not going to go with us, then we're not going to go. If, if, you, if you're not with us, there's no point. And so as a leader, he wasn't willing to take another step unless he was going to be aware that God was with him right there. Was God going to be with him? But actually what he's praying is, make me aware of your presence, because God can't go away. And so I want to urge us as leaders in Rec Road to be wholly discontent when we are not aware of God's presence, or when we, it hasn't mattered to us. I know there's days, many days, where I'll go through the day. You said, yeah, but you've been on a journey of practicing the presence of God, and still there'll be days where I think, I don't even know if I thought about God today. What, a pastor? Yes, a pastor. So I'm sure it's true of you as well. I want to encourage us, brothers and sisters, to say, Lord, I'm, I'm dissatisfied with that. I'm not okay with that. I want to practice your presence not just daily, but all the time. So let me ask some questions, and uh, I want to ask for these to get spread out in just a moment, but I want to ask you some, can I just, just wait a second and then just close your eyes. What would it look like if you and I, as community group leaders, as youth, as pastoral uh, people as children, who, uh, children's leaders, worship leaders, as people who come to church on a Sunday, people who go to youth groups, 
people who are on leadership team, preachers, elders, what would it look like if we became more spiritually aware of God's continual presence with us? How would things change if you were more aware of His presence? Not just in your life, but also as you lead and serve God. How would you lead and serve differently if you were wholly discontent with not being aware of His presence? How can we practically grow as leaders so that we could be more spiritually aware? Because you could say this morning in your heart, yes, I want that. But what are you practically going to do? So firstly, I uh, felt during the trio's, um, the trio's uh, panel, I felt like it was time for us to have a new and better name for trios, since trios means three, and no one's obeying that. Huh? So um, trios are meant to be small, as we said, not like a small church. Um, and we do have community groups. But I want to uh, say that uh, without any elders' discussion, uh, I will give a 250 rand voucher. We'll give a 250 rand voucher for anyone who comes up with a name that the elders think is better than trios. So I'm just putting it out there. If there's a name that you come up with that's even better than trios, you can go and have a nice cup of coffee and cake with someone else. Um, so give us a name. You know, the concept of what we're doing, it's irrelevant what, what we do call it, but it is helpful if a name kind of matches with what we're doing or it doesn't kind of work against it. So uh, just a fun fact, if we stay with trios for the next, next 20 years, that's no problem. But if you are just burning with an inventive idea, you can go and have a nice cup of coffee and a cake and you can invite someone to join you with us. So, uh, but just because you share one with us doesn't mean you get that. It's the elders who make the final decision. And the, the judge's decision is final. So, um, but yeah, just, uh, just want to invite that. We won't be calling out now, but you can come and speak to us uh, within the next week. So uh, if you feel like, actually, I've got a, uh, I've got a, a, a phrase that, uh, that, 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 that we can use as a handle for what we're trying to do that's better, then please let us know. Guys, I hope you feel the faith uh, in the room. I know that uh, just because there's a new year doesn't mean that everything is just better. In fact, we, we just did a session on being anti-fragile. That should be a heads up that there's going to be some bumps along the way in 2023. However, I want to say on behalf of the elders that we are feeling such a sense of faith for what God is doing amongst us. And uh, having just spent a few days of prayer and fasting uh, in our different congregations, and we all did that slightly differently, there is faith in the heart of your elders what God's doing amongst us. And uh, I really want you as leaders to know that and to feel that. It was great. In Toti, uh, our leadership team was meeting on Thursday night, and there was such a sense around the table of faith. There were things that we've really, uh, we've thought, we've looked ahead and thought, God, what are you going to do with that? And around the room, there was just this bubbling sense of we are trusting in God. That doesn't mean there aren't challenges, but there's this sense of faith. And um, while we're praying on Thursday night here in Toti, uh, we're praying for our, our congregation. And uh, I felt God gave me a word of uh, a vineyard. And I kind of saw this line of a vine and the, 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 the structure that a vine goes on. There's a trellis. <coughs> so there's normally like uh, <coughs> wooden posts, there's a structure, and then there's wire. And the vine goes on that. 
And I saw one that was standing, and then the next one had fallen down. Um, and, and, and the vine was lying on the ground. And that's not good for the vine, because then it's not going to bear all the fruit that it needs to bear. Um, but then I was encouraged, because I saw uh, people coming and putting that post up, putting that next one up, and the vine kind of coming up. And uh, I, I really feel like there's a season for new leaders stepping up, new people stepping into positions. And in light of that, I wanted to actually say to you that uh, it's amazing today to stand here and to announce that Tom is now a full-time member, full-time elder, uh, um, working in the city. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> I don't even see you there. Um, and it's just been such a joy to have Tom join, join the team and to devote all of his time to what God's doing there in the city. We know that Selo and Khale have left and we really are investing into the city so great hearing that the Dlaminis are never coming back uh, <laughs> and that they are plugged into the city but Tom it's just so great to have you on team it's also so great to 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 be able to ask Tom to do more stuff like he's got you know you can say hey Tom read these three books and come and tell us and he's like he thinks he's given been given a present and uh, you know and um, so Tom it's just awesome to have you on on team and uh, it's also amazing to have Keenan on team. Uh, so Keenan is giving us part-time. He's just giving us a few hours a week of, uh, of his schedule, but investing in leading the youth here in Toti and also uh, just giving his time also to the worship space and trying to help to equip and train and strengthen kind of our worship space. So Keenan, it's great to have you on board. We're really excited about that. It's also, as, as leaders and stepping into serving positions and leading all over the place. Uh, in, in our own congregation, we've, uh, we've had three people who didn't used to lead worship regularly, now suddenly they are our worship leaders. And so, do you've done an amazing job just saying, okay, like we'll work this out. Uh, can you believe if, if, if I told you last year, January, that you'd be leading worship every three weeks, you would have clapped me, hey? But praise God for that. And Nathan, where's Nathan? I went to him this morning. I said, you know what? You have a gift. You have a gift. That was the second time you've led worship in a wreck road setting. Is that right? Huh? He's got a gift. And uh, Nathan, we, we're grateful for your heart and for the gift. And, and Pindi, as a single mom, working out being an entertainer and how to organize uh, a living in that industry and also just giving her yes here um, and, and leading because we had Ningi get married and we've had Cindy move to, to the Western Cape for at least six months and, and suddenly there's space but people stand up and say, Jesus, you can use me and uh, willing to grow and we just want to say we're so grateful for that. We're also aware that uh, we've got new people who are joining the leadership team here in Toti. We're about to see a new leadership team forming in the city, and, and we're wanting to see a healthy, strong leadership team in, uh, in, in Ilfracom. We're so grateful for people who put their hands up and say, Jesus, you've got my yes. I want to say um, we've also invited some new guys to join us uh, as elders, to sit with us as elders and be trained. They're busy praying about that. And lastly, in terms of new things, you might not know this, but as a church, we're having an impact into Africa, not just South Africa, but into Africa. 
Um, and we've actually been asked to play a role, and I've been asked to play a role in Africa, but it draws all of us into a much wider story. And, and I've always felt that there's some gems in this church, and there's some things that we've learned, and God wants to bless the wider body of Christ with those things. And so it's amazing to see answered prayer and prophecy actually coming into, into being. Uh, and I don't have enough time to tell you all the stories, but we've seen some remarkable stories already this year of God providing for, for a church, Refined Generation Church in Ghana, providing money to buy a piece of land. Out of crisis, suddenly there's hope. Exactly what Tom, what Tom shared. They heard you have to leave your building at the end of January, and they were like, what? And we said, come on, guys, let's trust God. Next minute, today, right now today, they are busy buying a piece of land, and God has provided all the money, and we sent a chunk of money for that, and God has gone ahead of them and decided, well, you'll probably need money to build a building as well, and so a church in the UK via us has now sent 127,000 rand to help them start building a structure, and they're going to get that this week, and I'll be with them in two weeks' time. God's doing stuff from this church in other nations, and we're really grateful to God for that. Lastly, I want, to, I want to say that tomorrow is a significant day in, uh, uh, in, in Ilfracom's story, because tomorrow we're, we're having a, a joint meeting with the Ilfracom congregation and another group of people. There's a guy, Musawin Korsi Mtetwa, who did our church planters program, the second cycle of that, graduated from that in 2021, and he's got this group of about 30 people around him. And uh, we've kind of been asking, Lord, do you not want us to do this together? This kind of seems to make sense because we're very close together. And so tomorrow, they're having a joint meeting, a celebration. Rob's going to go and preach. And uh, I want to share that uh, I'm not saying we've, we've heard God say this is definitely going to be these two congregations merging. But when we prayed into it on Wednesday, I told the people gathered here to pray. I said, I'm going to share with you something, but if, if you tell other people, I'm going to have to kill you. So, uh, um, but I shared with them some of the story, and we prayed for an hour for, for Ilfracom. And uh, in that setting, uh, Mum Kabo Mlotzi um, had a word about these two rivers coming together, like two tributaries coming together. And, uh, and as we prayed into that, we had the sense that you don't see water kind of going upstream and downstream, it just joins and it becomes one, where you can't decide the difference between those two, but now it's a bigger, more significant thing. And so we feel like, a, Lord, are you really saying this? And so let's pray also, Lord, would you do amazing things in Ilfracom? We don't know exactly what that looks like, but we trust our Lord and Savior, we're following Him. Amen. So what I want us to do in the last moments is I want us to just pray again in our groups. And this is what I felt. I felt this in my heart the other day as I was reading about Jacob in uh, chapter 32 of Genesis. If you're not on the Bible reading plan, where's that bat? <laughs> We've been reading Genesis. It's been so amazing. And, and Jacob, uh, at one point, wrestles with God. And he basically says to God, God, I'm not going to let go unless you bless me. And I felt to say to God, and I did say to God, God, I'm holding on to you because I'm asking you to do something remarkable in these three congregations this year that only you can do, and only you'll be glorified. And so I want us to just close our, our, our time together, just a burst of prayer saying, Lord, we're not proud of ourselves. We're just following Jesus. 
But Lord, we want to hold on to you. We can ask audacious things of our Father in heaven. And we are aware of, our, of your presence, and we are asking you right now, God, would you bless us? Would you bless us individually? But would you bless our community groups? Would you bless our, our meetings? Would you, would you save many people? God, would you presence yourself amongst us? Why don't you just give a burst of prayer for a few minutes, and then I'll close in prayer, and then lunch is ready for us, I heard. Let's just give a burst of prayer quickly in our, in our groups. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we're just holding on to you, Lord. We're asking, God, would you bless us? God, we're asking for you to bless us. We are asking, Lord. We say, God, we hold on to you. We say, God, would you bless us? God, even as we hold on to you in prayer, as we lay hold of you, as we beseech you, Lord, we thank you that we're not coming to an unwilling God, but that we're coming to our Father who loves us. So we thank you that Luke 11 teaches us that, that, Lord, you are better than us, Lord. You, we, we can expect more than we could expect from one another. Lord, we thank you that you are the God who is Jesus for the sake of your church. And so, Lord, we just want to lay hold of you this morning. We say, God, we love you. We know that you are good, Lord. We know that you're omnipotent and omnipresent, Lord God, and omniscient. And, Lord, we want to ask that you would... Look upon us with favor, Lord, not only individually in our families, Lord God, in our community groups and every aspect of life in our church. God, we pray for these three congregations. God, would you bless us? Lord, we, we say this for your glory, for the sake of your name, not our name, but you be glorified, Lord God. Lord, we pray, advance your kingdom through this church. We ask that in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord, for our time together this morning. Thank you for these precious people that you've joined us to. Lord, we thank you for the Kramer family, Lord, and the way that they've again just served us, not just today, but all week preparing this food for us. And so, Lord, we just say thank you for them. We thank you for providing this food for us, Lord. We pray, Lord God, Lord, bless it to us as we eat now. Bless our fellowship, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.